Welcome right here to episode 110. Do you want to lose weight, burn off the old body fat, but every time that you have a crack, it lasts two, three, maybe four weeks if you're lucky, and then life just gets in the way, or the shopping ends up too expensive, or you're just dying for some bloody chocolate. (laughs) I find that this is often the case because diet culture has infected our brains in a really damaging way. And so this episode is going to be for you if you've really decided that you're going to give this weight loss thing a go the right way. You're looking for results that last. And in the past, you've tried a lot of things and bounced around different ideas and tried doing it yourself for a while and had temporary or limited success. Maybe you have a partner that's trying to do this and you're secretly doing some homework on their behalf. <laughs> Either way, if you want to get burning body fat right, then these seven things are essential listening for anyone wanting to lose weight. So amigos, let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? It's my mission to coach 250 individuals to create the sustainable, healthy life that they truly want before the end of 2021. Happy New Year, gang. It's a new year. I hope you had a really great break over Christmas and New Year's and you were in a situation where you were able to connect with your family and that you're now all fired up to do 2021 differently. Obviously, we had a lot forced upon us in 2020 and on pretty much a global scale, we were challenged to every level to not only level up, But many of us were confronted by truths about the world that we denied existed or couldn't believe were true or things that were arguably downright insane. And so I want to start by asking you, do you want 2021 to be different? I'm guessing that answer is yes. So before we dive into this fat-burning episode, I just want to touch on some things I believe to be important about last year and our progression forward. As the first episode of the year, I really want to get this message across. So obviously, 2020 happened, and although I fully acknowledge it felt like a decade that happened between sort of February and December, uh, it really did feel like we were constantly overwhelmed and that our personal power for free thought, critical thinking, our intuition, and our immune function had literally been taken out of our very own body, like the rug had been pulled from underneath us through no choice of our own. And so for me personally, I've spent the last decade now researching the truth about healthcare, pharmaceutical companies, allopathic medicine and disease, and how those things tie in as a major pillar of the economy for most countries. And so for me, as strange as this sounds, for me personally, and for many of the people in my circles... 2020 wasn't a huge shock as we were already well and truly down the rabbit hole. In fact, this podcast exists because of the personal journey that I went on and I learned and the things that I learned whilst working for vaccine manufacturers and for the most part in a hospital as part of a disease research team and simultaneously spending most of my adult life with a partner who was also a medical professional and had medicine not only fail her but cause many other problems in the process. And so I wasn't too surprise when 2020 unfolded. Did it negatively impact me? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had some very dark days of powerlessness and depression and thinking that that there may be another version of this matrix-like sequence that I could be better suited to, you know, and and, and I know that I'm not alone there, right? We saw the suicide statistics and the depression and anxiety stats. And if you know a psychologist, you know that they've never been busier in history than right now. And so, 
uh, as well to, to add to that an adjunct, a horrible adjunct, and it's probably the same for many people listening, is that I lost loved ones during 2020 to the physical and mental health concerns that are actually present in devastating numbers. Health crises that we don't need to promote on the news because people know they're actually happening because we see them every day. Cancer, diabetes, depression, anxiety, suicide. It was super dark. It was a really dark year. But the way I see it, and I've heard a few people talk about it like this, and I agree, that I see 2020 as the great awakening. And yes, it divided the nation. And yes, it divided the globe into those that lived in fear and those that lived in truth, whatever the word truth means for you. But we made it here. I made it here. And so did you. And so we're here. And if we made it to 2021 together, then we've obviously cultivated a resilient mindset. And if you want 2021 to be different, you have to act differently. Too many people are sharing their thoughts on social media, being censored and feeling like they contributed to the solution. Don't get me wrong, using your voice and your platforms is a great start. However, if you wish to make change, being a little more strategic is far more powerful. Otherwise, you're a rebel without a cause and that does usually nothing but harm, right? You have to be proactive, write emails, letters, attend rallies and protests, start calm but challenging conversations. A lot of growth is going to come out of this. A lot of growth, right? I had many challenging conversations that had very high risk outcomes in 2020. I spoke up at work. I spoke up at the supermarket. I spoke up to authorities. I wrote letters. I wrote emails. I did what I believed to be right based on the science that I was interpreting as a scientist. I went to rallies and attended protests. And I'm not here to boast about that. I'm not here to brag. I'm here to be an example. So you know that I literally put my money where my mouth is, right? And I will in 2021 too, if the situations call for it. And if you feel it's important enough to warrant fighting for, then I encourage you to listen to your intuition, to believe your beliefs about reality, right? And you have an ally in me, even if we disagree. If you're fighting for the truth that you believe to to be true, then you absolutely have an ally in me. The important thing that I want to get across right now, I know this got super serious super quickly, um, but I want to say that the problems won't disappear with a mere opinion or a mere argument with a family member. The problems of the world ain't going nowhere. They only begin to disappear with action. And more often than not, that action comes with serious risk. That's what makes the action worth doing. Otherwise, you lose. That's it. It's simple. You know, 80% of success is rocking up, right? So if you don't enter the, the, the conversation or the contest, you lose by default. <laughs> you forfeit. <laughs> it's that simple. So let's make 2021 far better than 2020 and come together as humans that care about the human species remaining young, free and able. Empower critical thought. Be okay with opposition. That's an important one right there. Learn to be open-minded and emotionally flexible. And as a nation or a world or a species of humans, we can achieve great things together. Remember, the numbers of humans at the bottom of the pyramid are far greater than the number at the top. So, we're going to talk about weight loss now. We're going to talk about burning some body fat. I just wanted to get that in uh, because I felt it's a really important message to share. And if you listen to this podcast, then it's very likely that you care about health, nutrition, lifestyle, freedom, expression, uh, truth. Then 
Yeah, and that's why I wanted to share that because that's what this podcast is all about. However, each episode is wrapped up. That is the underlying message is that I want to communicate truth to you and empower the individual to take action in their own lives. And that's very much what today's theme is going to be too. We're going to be talking about fat loss. We're going to be talking about losing weight. So what I've got here for you, I've got a bunch of notes, uh, is seven major points so that you don't fail at losing weight. Because guess what? Diet culture has set things up so that virtually every time anybody starts any diet or nutrition plan, they fail because of all the reasons that diet culture doesn't work. And it's, you know, it's been around for tens and tens and tens and tens of decades. It's been around for about half a century, actually longer than that diet culture, right? And it's been around for a long time. And so, it's the idea that we're, out, we're just, you know, we're cars. We're like cars going to the mechanic and that there's no human element right? And it's the human element is the reason we don't stick to things because guess what? We're not cars and medical professionals and food is not a mechanic, right? It's not how it works. So, I've got here seven things so that if your New Year's resolution is about fat loss and weight loss, you can have these seven pieces of information to implement so that you don't fail at losing weight. And don't worry, the word fail is pretty hardcore. I don't want anybody to fail. So, Language is a big part of that, right? So we want to set things up so that you actually can't fail. Anyway, let's get this. Let's get into this. So number one is don't be extreme. Okay, I have a method that you've probably heard on the podcast before, and if you've been a client before, or if you're going to be a client soon, then one tweak a week is the thing we use. Uh, why do we do that, right? Because plateau is about the body adapting. What people normally do is they go too extreme. They work out every day and haven't worked out for you know 12 months, maybe six months, and they work out every day and they smash their body or they decide on Monday, I'm going on a diet and they just go straight to 1,200 calories or they only eat lettuce. And the problem is that when you make such an extreme change, you've missed all of the possible steps and the results in between where you were and where you went to, right? So the body adapts to that situation, yet your body hasn't changed very much. And then you've missed all the steps in between. So you do not want to be extreme with your nutrition. You do not want to be extreme with your workout. You want to keep as many possible steps in between you and the end goal as possible. You want to make as many tweaks as possible because then your body will adapt and give you results and then it will adapt again and give you results and then adapt again and give you results. If you just wait, make one major change, you're only going to get one set of results and they're going to be nowhere near what you want because the body doesn't operate that fast. You can't lose 30 kilos in two weeks or even in 12 weeks. And if you do in 12 weeks, I've, there's some serious concerns. But uh, the point is that if you make these radical changes, the body will adapt and plateau. And you'll be like, oh, I did this thing for a couple of weeks. I went, I was fully committed and then I plateaued and now nothing, I can't seem to lose any weight. I can't seem to change my body in the way that I want to. Okay. Smaller steps, smaller steps. Now that's a slippery slope. Don't get me wrong. If you start at once a week, you might even forget about it next week because you've had six sleeps since then. <laughs> so you've got to set it up so that you've got it in your diary or you've got a reminder somewhere so that you can make sure, right, we're going to do once a week for three or four weeks, then we're going to do twice a week, then we're going to do three times a week, whatever it is. Number one is don't be extreme. Number two, understand weight loss is primarily about hormones, not calories. That's right. 
not calories, right? There's so many studies that have been done, and I've got a bunch of PubMed links right in front of me, but there's been a bunch of studies done that show that counting calories or operating on the model of energy in versus energy out doesn't result in weight loss, right? And more importantly, that most people end up gaining the weight back. So obviously the message of diet culture has been eat less, move more. This is not correct. There's been so many studies done on this and it doesn't work. That's why we're in a situation where after the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, we know that that message doesn't work because everyone keeps getting fatter and sicker and more people keep dying of these chronic illnesses of which obesity is usually a feature, right? We don't want that. It's about managing your insulin levels and knowing which foods have an impact on your insulin, your ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone, your leptin, which is uh, your full signal, sends your full signals, but you need to repair the brain through sleep and diet in order for leptin to function appropriately in the hippocampus in the brain. Then we've got estrogen, which most people will assume is predominantly a female hormone. Men have it too, and men consume far too much when they consume the wrong foods, and arguably women do as well, right? We've got so many um, xenoestrogens and phytoestrogens in our environment and in our food as toxins, which is obviously not real estrogen. Um, and then, of course, the negative impacts that living in a toxic world has on testosterone for both men and women, but particularly men, of course, in, the, in that case. Um, and so getting the hormones right is a big part of weight loss. So if you get the hormones right, and you've got guidance on how to get the hormones right for you because everybody's different, then you will start seeing results. Again, using a not extreme one tweak a week approach, right? And going back to the eating less, moving more thing, it's found that uh, in studies, they found that lower calories actually results in lower regulation of energy requiring processes in the body. So your body down regulates essential functions of the body if you start putting less food in. So you see how it's a bit, it's counterintuitive. It feels like it makes sense because we're sold this idea that there, where there's where this one-dimensional being that's like energy in must equal energy out because physics. But guess what? Biology is infinitely more complex than you can ever imagine. And it's infinitely more complex than that one theory of physics, right? That only implies a single-dimension system, right? Energy in, energy out. The biology is so much more complicated and energy is going everywhere and required for so many processes. And if you start putting less fuel into the tank, well, your engine, the human body, begins deprioritizing essential functions because there's not enough to go around, right? Um, and as well, this whole eat less thing is that calorie reduction, and we know this, and if you've been on a diet, you're probably about to nod your head. You know that you know strict calorie reduction does not cause sustainable weight loss. I will add in that as a caveat or as a disclaimer that calorie reduction absolutely can work if it's done correctly, slow enough, the nutrition is right, but there's so many more things to fix before we get there. And it's a really useful tool, in my opinion, for people that are already healthy and they know what they're doing with their body. In the beginning, there are so many things that we can fix and uh, level up so that your body can perform at optimal and burn body fat without even weighing a single thing, counting a single calorie. In my program, we don't measure or weigh anything and everybody gets phenomenal results. I have just so many testimonies of people that are like, you know, I feel amazing. I've lost five kilos. I've lost 10 kilos. I've lost 12 kilos. Like, you know, whatever that person's looking to get and we haven't counted a single thing. They feel lighter, their head's clearer and there's been no restriction, no deprivation. So there's a lot of things that we can do before we get to having to count anything, which nobody likes doing. Like, 
You know, it's it's just unless you're really obsessive and you're into that kind of data hardcore data collection, you know, most people don't like doing that. So brilliant, amazing to know that it doesn't work, <laughs> For, at least in uh, big cohorts of the studies that I've looked at. Uh, number three, number three, uh, support the recovery and repair of the microbiome. The microbiome is one of the major places that cause in your body that causes sugar cravings or cravings for foods that aren't building your body, right? Remember, there's hundreds of thousands of million of microbes in there, bacteria, fungus, you know, candida, yeast. We've got different bacterial species, different uh, viruses that are part of the virome. They all live there. And guess what? They feast first. When you put food into your gut, they eat first. And actually, they're a part of the digestion and assimilation process. However, if your back the bacteria and all, all the crew in, inside your stomach are set up for the foods that are unideal, it's going to be a situation from and it happens for many people. You put healthy food in, you get bloated from healthy food, or you feel uh, you know really crappy from putting unideal food in because the bacterial environment or the microbes in your gut don't actually support digestion of that food and don't really know what to do with it. And so you need to support the recovery and repair of the microbiome so that it supports the digestion of healthy food, and of course. You reprogram the mechanisms in those cells, then those cells won't be seeking the foods that are unideal for your body because you'll have reprogrammed their fuel source and you'll have grown colonies of bacteria that actually don't require that as an input. Okay? So sorting out the gut microbiome is a big part of fat loss because it contributes to a lot of digestive problems, gut health problems, and it fuels the intake of that sweet, salty, sugary crap because those guys are hungry. They feed first, remember? They feed first. Number four, have a regular movement schedule. Now, the first point to make is that this does not mean flog yourself at the gym. Remember, no extreme approaches, small changes over time, right? And we know that for most people, weight loss is about 80% diet, 20% physical movement, and you can achieve a lot with just the nutrition. I'm not implying for a second that uh, exercise has no value or little value. Movement and exercise is exceptionally powerful and I think everyone should be doing some form of it every single day, but it doesn't mean flogging yourself, right? It doesn't mean that. It could mean prioritizing a walk every day or two or three. It could be you know, kayaking. It could be hiking. And I like the word movement because exercise comes with an expectation of winning or achieving. Uh, movement's just about moving your body. And you know, some people park a little further away in the supermarket. That's probably not enough. We want to have a movement schedule that's dedicated to I am moving my body now because it's good for my health. But set that environment up so that it's about pleasure, right? So that movement is just the byproduct. When I had this conversation on episode 104 with Ben Ruter uh, from the US, who's a lecturer at a university, and he talks about the fact that, you know, go hiking, go kayaking, go walking with a friend to catch up over coffee, you know, do these things so that exercise or movement and health is just the byproduct of the thing you enjoy doing. You know, maybe you enjoy competitive sports and you enjoy the social element more than the actual sport. That's okay too, because guess what? Moving your body is a byproduct of that situation. And for the people that love going to the gym and smashing themselves like me, <laughs> do what you love, you know, do what you love. Um, although I haven't been back into a gym in 2021 and I, my home setup is working quite effectively, um, I still like you know, going hard and picking up heavy weights and making my muscles feel sore. 
But that's not the goal of the exercise, right? That's not the goal of movement. The goal of movement is to make sure that all of your body, your joints, your muscles, your bones, that everything is getting a workout. And it's important too, whilst cardio is good, you know, resistance training is often better for people trying to lose weight. Um, So putting your body under stress is important. That's the idea. We want to we want to be sweaty, we want to be, you know, feel like we've done some work. We want to actually feel our body adapting to the change. Okay? So a lot of people think that feeling sore after working out or going hiking or going kayaking or whatever means like, "Oh, I'm not going to do that again." No, that doesn't feel good. That's the body getting stronger, literally. Okay? So you want to feel those things, but you don't want to smash yourself so that you're unable to move for 3 or 4 days. That's a very bad idea, okay? But set up and have a regular movement schedule to move your body through space and time on a regular basis. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Um, okay, number five, all calories are not created equal. You need to know that in order to, for weight loss, to not fail at weight loss, right? All calories are not the same despite what you've been told before. The value of a carbohydrate versus the value of a fat versus the value of, of a protein molecule are not the same, right? You need to know which calories are right and what value they have to your body. Protein frequency is really important for appetite control. But knowing when to have that throughout the day, when not to have it, when to introduce the fats or the carbs, how much, like the, these are really important because if we just think all calories are created equal, then we would just eat anything. We, we could all just eat one food for the rest of ever and be totally healthy and abundant, right? But it doesn't work like that because, you know, different foods and different macronutrient ratios in those food have different impact. Again, back to point two. They have a different impact on your hormones, right? And so, obviously, things like insulin skyrocket with different sugars and carbs, okay? But insulin doesn't go up with proteins and most fats. So, it's really important to understand that these the food is not created equal. 10 grams of sweet potato is not the same as 10 grams of pizza, right? It's just not how it works. Um, so, we need to understand the value of each food that we're putting into our body, okay? The frequency and macronutrient concentration of an individual food is important to know. Again, you can know all of this stuff without having to do what sounds like biochemistry work. We work through this in my program and it, I make it so easy. You won't even realize that you're a biochemist. <laughs> 
I've always found that interesting about the way we talk about fats, protein and carbohydrates because truthfully they're biochemistry terms, right? And it's funny that we communicate in this way now, but I like it. I like it. It helps people differentiate uh, the things on their plate and whether they're ideal for their body or not. All right, number six, have flexibility in your eating plan to avoid the spiral out of control, okay? Remember, if you're using words that trigger you or situations that you know make you feel uncomfortable, you're probably setting yourself up for failure, right? So I'll give you an example. The words every day or each one or never again they are not flexible words. They're super rigid, okay? And so to your psychology, when you use words like that, part of your brain that's a little rebellious teenager, because guess what? We were all a rebellious teenager once. You might even be a rebellious adult. I tend to you know, dip my toes in that, uh, that category sometimes. <laughs> but my point is there's a part of your brain that, that wants it to be free and doesn't want to be controlled, right? And so we're always having these internal uh, discussions, dialogues with ourselves between the different parts of ourselves, the parent part of ourselves, the child part of ourselves, uh, the adult part of ourselves. And so remember, there's always a rebellious teenager in your brain, okay? So if you be super rigid, that, that, that rebellious part of your brain is going to be like, ain't nobody telling me what to do. I'm having the chocolate because you know what? I'm an empowered person and I do what I want. And then you have it. And then the adult person comes in and says, come on, buddy, buddy, come on. You know, you shouldn't have done that. We're better than that. Tomorrow, we're going to do a great job. And this cycle never ends, right? (laughs) It's what diet culture says, like, don't eat this thing ever again. And then on week 13, when you finish up, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have all the things that I was quote unquote, never allowed to have. So you've got to have flexibility in your eating plan because otherwise you spiral out of control as well. Flexibility with the language. Okay. Failure is a brutal word. Okay. And other words as well, like perfect and you know, and all these things bleed into body image stuff as well. Like if you're not flexible and like, you know, being healthy is a flexible word because you can feel healthy in different body shapes and, and at different weights, okay? You can feel healthy and abundant in different environments with different people in different relationships, okay? And it's important that we be flexible with our language because willpower runs out. And if we're doing the never stuff and the everyday stuff and the not this but that kind of stuff, when willpower runs out, we're just going to be like, oh, stuff it. And willpower running out is an actual neurological deficiency. The part of your brain that makes logical decisions and rational decisions about what to do, actually, when you're tired, when you're worn out, the body, the brain withdraws function from that part of the brain or reduces function to save energy so that you can just make the decisions that need to be made to survive for the rest of the day and go to bed. And so literally, physically, willpower can run out. So you don't want to set yourself up for when willpower runs out because you haven't set up a flexible environment and then guess what happens after the willpower runs out? Boom! Shame, self-abuse, like self-loathings, you know, you just beat up on yourself and that sends you further down the spiral rather than just being like, okay, I'm going to acknowledge that I've done this and that's okay. I've got flexibility in my eating plan and my regime. So tomorrow will be fine. This was just a thing and it was totally okay. And actually I loved it too. Uh, And then you get up and you start again as at your new normal, okay? Or your normal, right? You don't want to swing. You never want to expand. And this is again, back to flexibility and, and point one of extremes is that you don't want to be extreme because you don't want to have, um, you know, maybe something sugary or something uh, fatty that's, you know, you know, I mean, trans fatty when I say fatty, um, you know, pizzas, donuts, uh, croissants, that kind of thing. You don't want to have that and then punish yourself the next day by 
only having green smoothies for three days because then you're you're just that that's called yo-yo dieting. You're just swinging back and forth, right? So when willpower runs out, you want to have an environment that's conducive to success. So you do it and you get up the next day and you continue as normal as you would any other day. No extreme response, right? And so this is the process that you've got to have that supports behavior transformation, right? This is what we need to do, which is exactly what we do in the first few weeks of the Ultimate Energy Upgrade, which is my program, right? So number seven, the final one about how to not fail at weight loss is accountability and support, okay? Accountability and support. This is super important because just as we acknowledged, willpower runs out right? The things that we think are important reduce in value when we're tired. They reduce in importance. They fall down the priority list. And so that's why we need someone that's a part of our support network and can keep us accountable. Because guess what? Everybody's able to keep themselves accountable when they feel good. They've had heaps of sleep and they can see the goal, right? And they can feel like I can be that. They believe in themselves. But you have accountability and support for all the other times when it doesn't feel like it's going to work. You feel like you can't do it. You're not feeling great. You, you, you know, you're just sort of having a down day. They're the days that you need the accountability and support. Otherwise, we just go on this cycle for 10, 20 years. And every year, three or four kilograms creeps on. You know, the next year, we go on the same yo-yo cycle back and forth. I can do it. 2021, New Year's resolutions. Amazing. But we don't commit to somebody with accountability and support and therefore by February, it's like 80% of people forget about their New Year's resolution by February and most New Year's resolutions are about weight loss. So what does that tell you? That tells you that if you want new results, don't do things the old way. (laughs) It's that simple. Get someone in for accountability and support and have that person work with you on your individual context in your life to create conditions of success. And what that means is that Most of the options that you have in front of you each day lead to the outcome you want. Many people don't set up their environment for successful outcomes. They try and force themselves in their old environment to create change and there's resistance everywhere because they haven't set up their environment. And then setting up your environment means talking to your close friends that you catch up with all the time, uh, talking to your partner to make sure they're supportive, talking to your kids to make sure they're supportive and everybody's on board, maybe getting a partner in the journey to, uh, and as well as an accountability coach of some, some sort, right? You want to do these, do these things. And in that process of accountability and support, you want to make progress, right? So you need to find metrics that are not triggering or shame-based. Okay, for instance, many of the clients that I work with are women in their 40s uh, and early 50s usually and and late 30s. You know, I've sort of done 30 to 60 uh, most commonly with uh, the work that I do. And a lot of the shame-based metrics that come up are stepping on the scales or, you know, looking in the mirror or what the tape measure says. And if that's triggering or shame-based for you, then you do not want to use that as a metric of success, okay? Everyone's different. You've got to find what works with you. And that might take a bit of conversation with your accountability and support network to figure out what are other people doing? How is that working for you? You know, for some people, it might be wearing particular clothes. It might be being able to achieve a particular fitness goal, um, you know, running around the block, whatever it might be. You've got to find metrics of success so you can measure your progress because it's about progress, not perfection. And you got to make sure that they're not shame-based or triggering because guess what? We want to we stay away from all the things that are going to send us down the spiral. In the process, we're going to set up mechanisms so that when you are triggered, because guess what? It's triggers happen. You're a human. 
<laughs> I mean, we all went through 2020, didn't we? <laughs> triggers galore. Triggers galore. Every time you turn on the TV, trigger. Like, and back to the diet culture thing is that trigger, the diet culture just says, pretend the trigger doesn't exist. Just don't have that bit of chocolate at the end of the day when you're really stressed and tired, you know? They just say, just pretend it's not there. So you've got to set up a system of navigating triggers and navigating challenges so that you can actually come out the other side having triumphed over the challenge rather than being controlled by external forces, right? So these are the seven things that I want you to think about whilst moving forward because I know so many people have weight loss goals and I don't want you to fail. I want you to succeed. I don't want you to fall down the hole before the end of January and forget about it for the rest of the year and and effectively write another year of your life off. That's what happens. People use it once a year as this this kind of reminder, oh, yeah, I'm going to be healthy for three weeks. Um, and look, the intention is amazing. Fully in support the intention. I'm like, everybody get healthy. That's why the podcast exists, right? But the truth is I'm motivated by people's results. I want you to get healthy and I want you to tell me about it. <laughs> I want you to be like, been doing this for six months. It's been amazing. It works. I lasted longer than January. I finally prioritized my health, right? So, so just to recap on these, on the seven tips, number one, don't be extreme, okay? Number two, understand weight loss is primarily about hormones, not calories. Three, support the recovery and repair of the microbiome. Four, have a regular movement schedule. Five, all calories are not created equal. Six, have flexibility in your eating plan to avoid the spiral. And seven, make sure that you have accountability and support. So if you are a man or a woman that has tried countless times to commit to a weight loss plan or schedule or to achieve a particular goal that has not worked before or it did for a little bit and then you got busy or you started to plateau, and you really want to make a change, and you're finally ready to commit, it's time for you to commit to you and put yourself as a priority because you know that these extra kilos or pounds that you're carrying are going to eventually one day lead to disease. Remember, excess body fat is the second biggest precursor to many diseases. Or maybe you want to be around for as much of your kids' lives as possible. Or maybe you're wanting your body to be in better condition to be able to have kids or to be a great role model for when they're born or when they grow up. Or it could be as simple as I just want to feel better in my own skin again. If any of these are you or you want any of these things to change in your daily life, then I would like to offer you an opportunity where I'm going to be your personal scientist and accountability coach through that journey within my program, The Ultimate Energy Upgrade. Right now, we have limited numbers for this program. 2020 saw a lot of people go through it and succeed and have great, great experiences. And I've actually just had messages this week from clients that I worked with over six months ago that have checked in to say, hey, Maddie, this still works. I'm still doing it. I feel amazing. Uh, you know, I've created new goals and achieved them. You know, I just want to let you know, and this is a quote, 100% of what you have in the program works. That's literally a quote that I was, I was sent this week. So I'm proud to say that I put this together after working with a lot of different men and women and it does work. And so we have limited numbers for this program, but what you can do is if you want to join this program, which we're getting started in the next couple of weeks, is join our closed Facebook group called Intermittent Fasting 
burn fat, clear brain fog, boost energy. And what I want you to do is clearly answer the group entry questions. Unfortunately, we don't let anyone in that doesn't answer these. So be sure to answer the three questions and that will lead you to a direct conversation with me about how we can get you started on this journey to get more energy, to clear your brain fog and to achieve sustainable weight loss. I'm here to help you and I don't want you going around the merry-go-round yet again for the 10th or the 20th time in a row. I don't want you to come to 2022 and be in the same situation. I want to help you transform so that you can succeed with your weight loss goals and I can set you on the path to success long-term and living a sustainably healthy lifestyle. So what you need to do is to scroll down to the show notes below to click the Facebook link, answer the group entry questions, and I can get you started today while spots are still open. Again, scroll down to the bottom, click the Facebook link and begin a conversation with me. And so that wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you enjoying uh, checking in on my 2020-2021 rant at the beginning. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope this was useful. I hope you've written these seven things down so that you can take a new approach and I hope that you're ready to get started in the Ultimate Energy Upgrade because I would very much like to see you there and I think you're ready. If you're a regular listener of the show, then you are certainly ready to dive into this transformation. You are more than deserving of it, I have no doubt. And thanks for being a regular listener of the show across the last year in 2020. It's been amazing. The podcast grew massively last year, so I really, really appreciate it. And so, as you know, you can find me on Instagram. You can obviously join the Facebook group, so head down below and click on the Facebook link. Remember, clearly answer the three questions. Um, And if you got anything out of this episode, please take a screenshot, share it into your social media story, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever social media platform that you enjoy spending your time. And if you think someone that you know personally can benefit from this episode, hit the share button and send it over to them via message, right? Or or via messenger because the more people that have this information, the more people can make positive change, okay? So make sure you tag me. I'll tag you. We'll all tag each other. It'll be wonderful. All the links and handles are in the show notes below. Thank you so much. Good luck for 2021. Let's do it together. And as for the show, I look forward to settling myself inside your ear holes every single Wednesday. (laughs) All right, gang, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.